the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. But some people have made up a God. They have bypassed the God of Scripture. Or they pull something out of Scripture, but not the totality of it, just like the Samaritans did. A God who doesn't condemn people to hell. A God who is only love without any holiness, any justice, any standards. A God who has no standards of righteousness. You see, acceptable worship must be directed to the right God. The right God. We're talking about worship on our verse-by-verse radio broadcasts. It seems like so many people today have created their own version of God that suits their personality and lifestyle. And they are perfectly happy to worship a God in their own image. They have picked things they like about God from all religions and combined them to make a warm, fuzzy, likable version of God. Pastor Steve is sharing with us that our focus in worship needs to be zeroed in on the clear teaching of who God is according to the Bible. Anything else is to worship a false god. Let's ask ourselves, am I worshiping a god that I designed to fit me? Or am I submitting to the god of the Bible and letting him change me into his own image? Glad to have you with us for today's important broadcast of Verse by Verse Radio. Now here is Pastor Steve. The early service I had to... uh chide them a little bit. The early service, you're a lot different than the early service. They are a subdued group. Subdued. In fact, uh, someone called them, and it's really a great a great name for them, and I had to tell them this morning. I called them the red-eye service, <laughs> of which later one said to me, ouch. I suggested that they wake up, that if they need to take a little bit of espresso in the morning, wake up, because... Uh, and, it, and it's not just them, but all of us. This is, this is true for all of us. When we worship, we need to put some heart into it. We need to have some passion, some, some emotion. In fact, let me, let me just show you. This is how David worshiped the Lord. In Psalm 103, I'll just read it to you, verse 1, but I would write it down for you. David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. All that is within me. He said, let me bless with everything I have. I mean, you remember David even danced unto the Lord. No, I'm not suggesting that you do, you know, the Jeremiah jig here. I'm just saying that that David said, when I worship the Lord, I really got into worship. He also said in Psalm 86, 12, he said, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, with all my heart. David understood that worship was, uh, emotion is involved in, in worship. See, this is why your environment doesn't mean anything. This is why even the, the music is, is not the issue. It's not the issue. What is the issue is the condition of your heart. That's the issue. But when there is no, no heart, 
in our worship. It produces that cold orthodoxy, and it produces a church, quite frankly, filled with artificial worshipers going through the motions, but it's unacceptable to God. And, and let me tell you this, this is what, this cold, barren, lifeless stuff in, in churches is often what drives people away from a theologically sound church to a, often a charismatic church. This is why many have left fundamentalist and conservative and evangelical churches where the truth is taught, but they're looking for, for a church that has some life. They're looking for a church that has some emotion, some reality, and they're not finding it there. And they're starved for that. They want to worship the Lord. But the danger, the danger of that kind of worship is like the Samaritans. It is worship that has all heart and emotion, but without much thought and without much doctrine. And heart alone is not what makes our worship acceptable. That's just one part of it. That's often where our, our charismatic friends are at. They're, it's very shallow. They, they often are, are into some kind of a frenzy, but, but that's not acceptable worship to God. Yes, we ought to have passion in our worship, but, but it is passion that has to be balanced with truth. And that's why Jesus went on to say that this is the second essential element of how to worship God. He said the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, and then he added, and truth. See, the Samaritans had all heart. From what we know of Samaritan worship, they, they were passionate. They did have heart. They did have emotion. But it wasn't acceptable to God. Why? Because they rejected most of the Bible. They rejected it. Their, their worship wasn't based upon truth. A little bit, but not, not most of it. And by truth, of course, Jesus is referring to the truth of the Word of God. Later in John 17, he will make this wonderful statement. Thy Word is truth. Thy Word is truth. The truth of God, what he has revealed about himself in his word. You see, if the meaning of worship, now think with me for a moment. If the meaning of worship is to recognize God for who he is, the glorious, almighty, uh, sovereign, majestic one. If that's what worship is, recognizing him for all that he is, and then to respond to him for who he is in praise and adoration and, and obedience and honor and reverence and all that, then we need to know who he is. We need to know who he is so we can respond to him properly. But how do you know who he is? How would you possibly know who God is unless he's revealed himself in his word? That's why we need truth. Without the word of God, we're lost in our worship. Now, we would know a little bit. We would know, as Romans chapter 1 tells us, without the word of God, you'd know something of God's power, something of his grandeur, but you, that, that would be about it. You need the word of God to worship him properly. In fact, let me have you turn to Romans chapter one. Let me just show you something that is so important. And it might it might put in perspective why so many people are religious today, but they're but they're not worshiping the Lord in Romans chapter one. Remember, I told you last week that Paul says in verse 18, he said, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. They hold down the truth. Paul said. Now, how did ancient man do this? And how does modern man do this? Verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God has made it evident to them. For since, and he explains, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Paul says that God has given man some light. 
Even without the Bible, man has some light, even ancient man, even modern man. He has some light. What is that light? Creation. He can look around and recognize something of God's power and majesty. And so he's without excuse because he rejected even that. Notice verse 21. For even though they knew God, they did not, meaning they knew about him. They did not honor him as God or give thanks. They didn't honor him. They didn't worship him. But instead, what did they do? They became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. In other words, rather than responding to the light of God's revelation, they began to speculate, speculate about what deity might be like. And what it led them to do was have a darkened heart. When they turned off and they turned away from the light, you know what God did in essence? He turned the light off. Now they were in darkness. And what was the result? Verse 22, professing to be wise. And isn't that modern man? He's so wise in his own mind, they became fools. Think about it. Modern man thinks we came from monkeys. That, that's, that's it. But they became fools. And notice what they did. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Man became an idolater because he rejected the revelation of God. Now, if you wonder why people are so religious, and, and people are religious, it's because God has, has made us to be religious, worshipful creatures. We're going to worship something. If we reject the truth of God's revelation, then we will find something else to worship. Ancient man worshipped animals. We worship ourselves. We have idols of the heart. We will worship something. That's why you go any place in the world and people are worshiping, but they're not worshiping the true God. It's not, don't think that they're seeking God. They have turned away from him and that's why they're religious. They have rejected the truth. That's, that's the point. So the Samaritans had a lot of zeal, but without much knowledge. The Jewish people had a lot of knowledge, but without much zeal. And Jesus is telling us that the balance of worship is heart and truth. In other words, our worship is a response to God built upon the truth of his word. If you bypass the truth and thoughtful understanding in your worship, then you have reduced worship to a very shallow, superficial, feel-good, sometimes frenzied experience. And we don't want to do that because it's not acceptable to God. You see, Christ's point to the Samaritan woman is that acceptable worship has both. It has heart and it has truth. It has emotion and it has sound doctrine. It is both subjective. That's right. I said subjective. That is the spirit. And it is objective. It is the truth. Acceptable worship is a heartfelt response to God as he is revealed in his word. I think the Apostle Paul perfectly balanced this in Colossians. Let me read this to you. Colossians 3.16. This is where it comes together. Paul said, let the word of Christ dwell richly within you. That's the truth. God's word dwelling in us richly. Then what happens? With all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving and thankfulness in your hearts to God. The truth and in your heart, giving it to God, giving him worship. Folks, I urge you to be more of a congregation like that. 
to, to not just come and go through the motions, but to worship God. Think about what you're doing. Think about what you're saying. This morning, we have sung some of the great hymns of the faith. We have sung songs that have such depth to it. You need to think about that. And you need to respond with some enthusiasm, some emotion, some passion that is regulated and directed by the Word of God. Now, we're not talking about emotions out of control. We're talking about emotions under the control of Scripture. That's what we need. That's why, by the way, it's so important that as a congregation, we come together to study the Word of God. Without that, we don't have a basis for our worship. We don't know who or or what we're to do in worship. Let me tell you how important it is about this aspect of the truth guiding us in worshiping God. If your worship is not based upon the truth of Scripture, how do you know that you're worshiping the true God? How do you know that? Maybe you're worshiping a God you've made up in your own mind. I'll never forget hearing Dr. James Kennedy of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church telling, telling us that he was um, evangelizing a woman one time and, and talking about uh, hell and judgment. And she said, oh, my God would never do that. And he said, that's right. Your God wouldn't because your God is not the God of the Bible. But some people have made up a God. They have bypassed the God of Scripture. Or they pull something out of Scripture, but not the totality of it, just like the Samaritans did. A God who doesn't condemn people to hell. A God who is only love without any holiness, any justice, any standards. A God who has no standards of righteousness. You see, acceptable worship must be directed to the right God. The right God. It is so crucial that we know who God is that Jesus in verse 24 addressed this aspect of worshiping God. He's told us the acceptable worship, that acceptable worship is not confined to a sacred place. That's the where of worship. He has also told us that acceptable worship has the proper balance between heart and truth. That's the how of worship. But now in verse 24, he tells us that acceptable worship is directed towards the right person. That's the whom of worship. Verse 24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. While the Samaritan woman was overly concerned about the location of her worship, Jesus told her that the primary issue wasn't where she should worship, but how and whom she should worship. God, he said, must be worshiped from the heart in response to his truth. But who is the God that we worship? Who is he? You may assume that you know, but what did Jesus mean by this? Actually, he identified God in two ways. He said, first of all, he referred to God as spirit, as spirit. Now, God is spirit. That is to say that God is invisible. He is the invisible God. The only manifestation of that is when Jesus, who is the invisible God, took on the form of a man, became a real man. But, but God in his essence is spirit, invisible as opposed to physical and material. That's why scripture will say no man has ever seen God. It's invisible. And as spirit, he's everywhere. He is not everything, but he is everywhere. He is not confined to one location. That's why Jesus said no matter whether it's Gerizim or Jerusalem, not confined to one location. Therefore, since we can see him, The only way we can approach him to worship him is to worship him based on what he's revealed about himself because you're not seeing him. And he's not talking to us apart from his word. So what has he revealed about himself in the word? What is revealed is the scriptures and he's revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. The scriptures and Christ, the written word 
the person who is the word. That's why Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the father. If you want to know what God is like, he said, look at me. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what, what the father is like, look at Christ. So God is spirit, invisible. You need his word because you don't know anything about him or very little about him apart from his word. Secondly, in verses 21 and 23, Jesus identified this invisible God as the father. Now, most of the time when we talk about God as, as father, and in fact, Jack led us in the wonderful prayer known as the Lord's Prayer, and it starts, our father who is in heaven. In that context, and, and in many, when we say our father, we're speaking about God being our Father. The moment we trust Christ, we become the children of God. We move from a creature relationship to God, with God, to a children relationship with Him as Father. However, that is not the way Jesus is using it here. He's not talking about God being our Father. He is talking about God being His Father. And this is why it's important. Whenever Jesus referred to God as His Father, it was to stress that He and the Father were of the same essence. They were of the same nature. In other words, just as the Father is God, so the Son is God. Whenever Jesus said, Father, that's, that's what he meant. In, in fact, in John chapter, chapter 10, he said that uh, he and the Father were one. And the Jewish leaders understood what he was saying. They thought it was blasphemy because he was claiming equality with God. That's exactly what he was claiming. They understood what a lot of people don't understand. So what does this have to do with acceptable worship? It has everything to do with it. You are not worshiping the one true God if you are not worshiping the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there are those who believe that Muslims and Jewish people and Christians, they all worship the same God. They just have different names, but we're all monotheistic. We all recognize the supreme being. They would say it really doesn't matter if you call him Allah or have another name. Or that. That's not important. There's only one God. And so we're all worshiping the same God because we don't believe in a plurality of gods. That's not true. That's, that's the height of heresy. Allah is not the one true God with a different name. There is only one God who has revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And unless you believe in the full deity of Christ and have accepted him as Lord and Savior, have trusted him as the, the, the lamb sacrifice for you, you cannot worship his father because Jesus said, no man comes to the father except by me through the son. Have you ever come to him? Have you ever come to the father through faith in his son's sacrificial death for you? That is the only way to do it. Listen to what First uh, John tells us. First John 2.23, whoever denies the son does not have the father. If someone says to you, well, I, I believe in God, but I don't believe in his son. I don't believe in Christ. The Bible says they don't have the father. They're not worshiping the, the one true God. And the one who confesses the Son has the Father also. If you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are worshiping the only true God. Jesus Christ, the Father, and the triune God, the Spirit of God. It is not enough to believe in God in the sense of He's the great Spirit in the sky, the great generic God. There is one God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if, and if that sounds very narrow, you know what? It is narrow. It sounds narrow because it is, because there isn't a whole bunch of gods for us to pick and choose. In fact, Scripture says that all the other gods that the nations and peoples would, would worship have demons behind them. So yes, there's the elements of the supernatural, but it's not the one true God. So what does God want for us? Let me tell you. He wants your worship to be acceptable to Him. 
To make it acceptable to him, you need to have feelings, emotions, heart. Not cold and mechanical lip service, but your worship must be based on his word, not just your thoughts, your emotions. You need to make adjustments. Let's bow for prayer. As we are in his presence, you need to talk to the Lord. What is your worship like? First of all, are you worshiping the one true God? Have you trusted Christ as Lord, as Savior? If you've rejected Christ, you've rejected God. There is no other God. So I would urge you to come to Christ today. You can become a true worshiper of 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 God by coming to him through Christ and Christ alone. And if you'd like to, to do that and you'd like to speak to somebody after the service, one of our elders will be right up here at the front when we close the service. But you don't even have to wait for that. The Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can call upon him right now, knowing that you're a sinner. You deserve judgment, but Christ has paid for all of your sin. And he invites you and urges you and even commands you to repent, turn from your sin, whatever it might be and trust Him and Him alone for the forgiveness of sins. But if you're a believer in Christ, I ask you, does your worship have feeling and emotion and heart? It's very possible that um, we who are non-charismatic have gone the opposite extreme of, of emotion. We're so concerned to not be emotional that we don't have any emotion, and that needs to be corrected. There does need to be passion. You're worshiping the glorious God, the Almighty. This is God that we're worshiping. So you need to talk to him about that. But make sure that your worship is based on, on the truth of his word. What, what do you say to him? What do you adore about him? You'll, you'll never know unless you get into the word of God yourself. You'll never know. You need his word or, or, or else it's just your opinions. Father, we come to you not only as our Father, but as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. We come to you in his name and by his sacrifice, not our own merits, but his alone. And Lord, we thank you for seeking us out to make us worshipers. But sometimes our worship has been very inadequate. And I pray as a church body and as individuals that we will worship you, Lord, anytime any place, under any circumstance. We'll bless the Lord at all times and your praise continually in our mouths. When we, we go to work tomorrow and it's difficult, when we have difficult people who will criticize us, Lord, may our worship be directed towards you. May we be a people who know what it's like to, to fall asleep worshiping you, to wake up worshiping you, to, to do our daily routines with the spirit of worship. And Lord, may, may our worship be heartfelt. Help us as a congregation to have some passion. Not, not zeal in the flesh, but a passion for you based upon your truth. Lord, may we respond to your truth. May we never dilute the word of God because without it, we would be clueless as to how to worship you. Lord, we pray that you'll take these words 
drive them deeply into our lives, change us, transform us. And I pray for those who who have never come to you. Maybe they have a, a belief in a, in a nebulous, generic God. I pray that you would transform them, draw them to yourself, that they may come to the Father through the Son. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is so important because there's so much confusion out there today. Did you get the balance that Jesus is talking about in spirit and in truth? We need emotion or spirit that comes from a pure and sincere heart. But we also need to be guided by and limited to the truth that comes from God's own revelation about himself. If emotion takes over, we can find ourselves way off base. If we worship with the right words and structure, we can find ourselves in dead orthodoxy. It's been great having you with us on Verse by Verse Radio today. Have you taken the time to visit our website, versebyverseradio.org? There are so many good things you will find there. If you're in the Clearwater area, why don't you come to one of our services at Lakeside Community Chapel? If you really enjoy this radio ministry, why don't you consider becoming a financial partner with us? Give us a call at 727-239-0306 to find out how to give to keep this ministry on the air. We trust God will truly bless you. For all the staff, this is Jerry Pruden saying, thanks for being with us today on Verse by Verse. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse by We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.